We're always looking for new ways to save ourselves or spare ourselves an extra thousand or so calories, right? In episode 42, I told you about my burrito exit strategy when I wanted to eat a burrito because I was worried about my son. The burrito exit strategy is about recognizing why you may want to snack or graze or you crave a particular food when you're not really physically hungry. Now I'm about to tell you how I used my burrito exit strategy again the very next week so you can see it again in real life, so you can practice your own burrito exit strategy in your life. So let's get started. You are listening to the Fresh Approach Podcast, where we focus on tools, skills, and strategies to live your healthiest and happiest life. What began as a fresh way to live your best life with weight loss surgery is open to everyone who wants to cultivate healthy practices to live their very best life. I'm Mary Clark, your host, mentor, encourager, and coach. You can learn more about me at the end of this episode, but for right now, let's get started. Hey, before we get started on burrito exit strategy number two, I want to talk very briefly about something I said in the last episode, number 42, the first burrito exit strategy. I said that I, I'd actually re-recorded the beginning of that episode because I wanted to practice more about the promote what you love instead of bash what you hate. And I felt that I was getting in a habit of identifying things that I saw out in the community on social media that I disagreed with. And so I said I wanted to do a better job of that. And then as life would have it, because life is always giving us incredible lessons, I saw a post on social media, it was on Facebook, and I'm going to read it to you. And and I want to tell you, you know, I have my own coach that I work with. So I get coached too, because I am still working on this thing we call life, right? And I told her about this challenge I was having that I had just come out and said that I was going to do more of promote what you love instead of bash what you hate. I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing that. But then I told her I saw this post and I said, she said, why do you want to comment on it? And I said, because I don't want people in my community who are And because I know this because of the people I work with and talk to who are already in many cases feeling bad about themselves because of the challenges they're having around their health, around their weight, around regain after weight loss surgery to feel even worse about themselves. And so I do think there is a distinction in me promoting what I love and doing what I do and letting other people do what they do. And letting you decide with all those messages what works for you. But I want to point out something. I will do this. This I will continue to do when I see something that I believe is so blatantly harmful to people because it is absolutely not true. I will call it out because I want you to pay attention to messages like this, not just on social media, but things that you may hear out in the community or with your own family or friends, because I want you to know you are enough. You've got enough going on. You're tuning into this podcast. You're in my group. Um, You're in my email community because you're looking for something fresh to, yes, help you get where you want to be with your health, but gosh, not just where you want to be with your physical health, but where you want to be with your emotional health too, okay? So here's the post. It says, 
99% of all failures are from people who are really, really good at making excuses. That is such, you know the word I want to use. I want to say bull, but I'll say bulloni. You Can you hear it in my voice? Really? I'm going to again remind you that in my 18 years in this field, there was a time when um, we were, I was at one program and we were really short staffed. And so for some time I was responsible for reviewing all new patient records and I had to go through their, um, their medical histories and their psychological evaluations. And I noticed something that was just, it was so striking. And I've talked about this before. And what I noticed, I decided to share in conversation with a nurse at um, one of the larger insurance companies we were working with. And I said, I said, you know, I am seeing what it looks like there are up to, gosh, like 60, maybe 70% of these patients have gone through some kind of trauma or abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, um, horrible car accidents, severe illnesses. Like these people have gone through something. There, it's, you know, when people say it's a lack of willpower, mm, how dare they? How dare they? And how dare you if you're still saying that you have a problem with that? And, and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have something huge. Maybe it's an accumulative effect, you know? And I, again, I'm not saying it's everybody. It's not, but it, and so anyway, so I'm pointing this out to this nurse and she says, oh, Mary, it's much higher than that. Things happen to us. I'm, I'm thinking even through my clients, physical abuse, sexual abuse, abuse when they were children, this, so to, when I think of that, how we got here and to reduce it, to reduce our challenges and taking the best care of ourselves to just say we're, we're really, really good at making excuses. How dare they? <sighs> so when I do see posts like this, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to remind you that that is a bunch of baloney. And I hope you disregard those. Because that has no place in your hemisphere. <laughs> It, I don't, I want you to be able to see messages like that and really just, you know, know that that's not true. Know that that is not true for you or people who are working to do their best. I mean, if you're showing up here, you are already taking action because you want to take care of yourself. And sometimes we're, we, we have great days and we can follow through on everything and things are going well. And then sometimes we have challenges. So if... I don't work out for three days. Am I just really good at making excuses or did I just get some troubling news? In fact, I'll, I'll talk about this real quickly. And yes, we're going to get to burrito exit strategy number two, but I have a client whom I love, 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 love her so much. And she um, had to have this medical test and um, we had talked about it before she went for the test and she thought or felt that she was really, you know, I'll just deal with the results that come out of it and it'll be okay and all of this. And she said she felt really good going into it. And then um, she had the test on a Monday and we texted that Monday evening and she said she felt pretty okay, um, was visiting with some family. And then I didn't hear from her for a few days. I had texted her back, didn't hear from her. 
And what had happened is that she said she she goes she goes I didn't go completely you know crazy with everything but I was snacking I was grazing all day I didn't exercise and it took so her test was Monday by Friday morning she said she woke up and realized that I was okay with whatever the outcome was you know if it comes out positive I'm going to just go through treatment I'll do what I have to do but it was really weighing on her and but here's the big key she realized that through that process what was going on is that she she knew what it was and she knew it was temporary. We work on that a lot. This is temporary. This is temporary. I'm having a, there's something going on where I'm not following through with my practices, not following through with my plan, but I know this is temporary. I have awareness. She said she, she had awareness of it. And the biggest thing is that she didn't beat herself up for it. She didn't beat herself up for it during those three days, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And by Friday, when she really had a, a handle on it, on what was going on, that she was really more concerned than she had let herself believe she was, she still didn't beat herself up. So let me ask you this. Where these, I've got to open it on my phone again. This uh, this quote, again, 99% of all failures are from people who are really, really good at making excuses. So my lovely client who has been, she is doing so well. She re- releases weight consistently every week. But because of this heaviness on her heart and on her mind uh, for a few days, because she doesn't have the results of this test, she just is not there in that place to exercise and follow through with, say, her protein, whatever it was. But by Friday, she had that awareness. She's like, okay, and I feel, and she's been, you know, really great um, with her plan since then and following through and taking care of herself. Is she just really good at making excuses or was she going through something? She was going through something. She may have, um, she actually doesn't have the results back yet, but she's doing so much better um, now. And do we really look at her and and say, you know, her name's not Susie, but do we say, Susie, you're, you're just making excuses and we're supposed to ignore what she's going through. If, you know, I do talk about, yes, have a backup plan when things are going on. Yes, I do talk about that. But sometimes, and particularly with my clients, when they have that awareness, because they have these other tools to sort of check in and see what's going on. We always, I mentioned it in the last episode about the body compass tool, and they have this awareness of what's going on. Are we supposed to have her beat up on herself and say, you know, you're just good at making excuses? No. Again, that's bull, loney, no. And I want you to have awareness in your own life when you hear messages, see messages that, you know, check in with yourself. I'm going to teach you that. Do you get a weird feeling like, oh, if it makes you feel bad, if it makes you feel bad, it's a bad message. Okay. Messages should lift you up, encourage you, and inspire you to take how to create practices to take care of yourself for a lifetime. This kind of messaging is, you're probably already bashing yourself in for something and they're like heaping it on on top of that. And what do I always say? You can't do anything good for yourself when you're feeling bad about yourself. Caveat, you can for a little while, but it's not sustainable. Please be on high alert for the negative messaging out there um, in social media, television commercials, billboards, magazines, from your own family and friends, that negative messaging, find messaging 
that lifts you up, inspires you, and motivates you with a positive feeling, not some you're a loser kind of feeling, because we've done enough of that in the past, and who the hell needs that anymore? Done. Um, I'm not even going to call this I was on a soapbox. This had to be said. I mean, maybe I was on a soapbox. Um, I'm going to step down and we're going to get into our lesson again. So again, this podcast episode has been re-recorded because I added this part in, but it had to be said and I'm going to keep saying it. So thanks for listening. And now let's get started. All right. A brief recap from our last burrito episode. I was telling you how I've been seeing so many posts and videos. You must stop snacking. You have to eat right. You have to exercise. But the problem is nobody really explains how to do all the things we need to do to take care of ourselves beyond the you should, you have to. Or when life happens from the minor situation like road construction on your route to work that adds an hour to your commute every day for a month to the major situation like losing a loved one, getting laid off, or moving to a new house. We know eating right is important. We know exercise is important. We know it's not a good idea to be snacking all day long. But how do we do all of this for the rest of our lives? It's not just as straightforward as people try to make it sound, is it? I mean, if it were, Wouldn't we have gotten the hang of it years ago before we became obese or morbidly obese or overweight or needed weight loss surgery? You've got to have a personalized plan. You've got to have tools and skills and strategies for this. You've got to know how to adjust, adapt, and pivot in your life. I want to share another example with you, again, a scene from my own life. Um, when I was in life coach training with Dr. Martha Beck, and I was using my new tools and skills on myself, practicing what I was learning. This is how it would be for you as you're learning new tools and skills and practicing. So I was in the car again. A lot of thinking and feeling happens in the car, right? So come with me now. I was driving and I felt yucky, just really blah. And here comes the thought, hmm, what can I eat? Isn't it interesting how that's where my thoughts would automatically go? Can you relate to that? And again, this was three to four years after I had surgery. But this time, different from the week before when I was driving down the street looking for the burrito, I paid attention to what I was feeling physically in my chest. If you remember, I called it my pothole in the chest feeling, just a tightness, just like, what is that pressure in my chest? I noticed it more quickly Because again, I was driving and I wanted to eat. That's not in my plan. At that point, I was already pretty good about planning my meals. And I had never written down, after you drop off the kids at school, stop at McDonald's for a McGriddle. No, I knew something was off. I'm driving and I want to eat. So I asked myself what was going on. This means I had a willingness to check in with myself, a willingness to do the investigative work on myself. When you think about this, this is huge. My whole life, I hadn't really done this because I didn't know how. I mean, I didn't even know it was a thing. But now I knew. Now I was practicing. In those first few years after surgery, I typically turned to exercise, music, movies, shopping, chatting with friends, and sometimes food. I did. But with all of these things, 
I still wasn't getting to the heart of what was really going on, what I was feeling. I was still covering it up. I didn't want to dig deeper. I didn't really know how. But now I put my detective hat on again, not a real hat, but you know what I mean. And I got to work on the investigation. Keep in mind, this is all happening pretty quickly while I'm driving. I thought about what I'd already done in the morning. I couldn't find anything weird or upsetting there. Then I jumped ahead to the rest of the day, looked at my schedule. I mean, thought about it in my head, nothing too challenging there. So instead of trying to run from the yucky feeling, this is what was happening, trying to cover it up, I kept doing my detective work. Now, I could have just turned on some music or called a friend or even got out of the car and gone for a walk in the park, but I kept the investigation going. But still nothing came up. Okay, Mary, dig a little deeper. I still wasn't ready to give up, okay? Because I'm practicing. I'm in coach training. I had to keep going. Who did I talk with? Was there an email? Did I see something? Did I get a text? What happened? Then I just let myself wait. With a clear mind, I paused. Remember, your power is in your pause. I just allowed myself to sit and wait. Breathe. (sighs) Quiet. Just wait. What is it? Oh, there it is. I retraced my steps and found the reason. I gave myself enough time to find the real reason for the yucky feeling. A reminder had popped up in the morning about an upcoming meeting with my ex-husband. Yep, that'll do it. Yucky feeling. At this point, we were divorced, but we had to sign some paperwork, have it notarized for my son's passport. So I focused on the meeting. I didn't turn on the radio or pull into a drive through or call a friend to chat about her vacation, I didn't numb out or distract myself. I allowed myself to just feel the feelings of the situation. And they were uncomfortable. My ex-husband and I did not separate on good terms, and we were still not at an amicable point in our relationship. So thinking about sitting down with him didn't feel good. All sorts of thoughts came up at first, but I stuck with it. I still didn't numb out. I stuck with it, power in the pause, decided to breathe, and in the end, I chose to look at the facts. Here are the facts. I have a meeting with my ex-husband. There are some things we've got to do for my son's passport so he can go on a senior trip, but otherwise, there's nothing else to see here. I didn't dwell on unhappy memories. I didn't waste time conjuring up stories of what could go wrong at the meeting and so on. I focused on what I needed to take to the meeting, what needed to happen, confirming the notary, and let it go. And I didn't stop to get something to eat. Are you willing to practice a burrito exit strategy? Are you willing to walk yourself through these steps? I get how it may sound like a lot of work doing all this thinking and investigating and pausing and breathing and clarifying, but truly, after you've been doing it a while, it becomes secondhand. But you know what I think is more work than this? And most of us who are gathered here listening in this podcast, we're here because we've had periods in our lives when we've gained way too much weight, extra pounds that made our lives difficult physically, mentally, emotionally, and we've had real challenges with releasing that weight and figuring out ways not to put it back on. Isn't that more work? than this? 
Really, think about all of that work and how many times we've done it and how, at least for me and my clients, the last thing we want to do is try to work on taking off 50 pounds again. It would be way too much work for me and my clients. We choose to take a fresh approach to all of this. We're solving our problems from within, not looking for the next quick fix from the outside, a new diet, a new workout that will only lead to us needing another quick fix, which never really fixes anything. In my last burrito episode, I encouraged you to come up with your customized burrito exit strategy, giving it a name that resonates with you. Did you do that? Are you willing to try a new way to take care of yourself for the long term? Because remember, for us who've struggled with our weight, this keeping healthy, all the things we need to do to take care of ourselves, this is a lifelong daily process. I want you to find what works for you that is sustainable, that is encouraging, that makes sense to you, that resonates with you, that feels good, feels right to you, that works for you. In the wise words of Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I use this quote. I use it with clients and I use it with friends in the Fresh Approach Facebook group, but I also use it with myself. Sometimes if I'm looking back at choices I've made in my life or even things that I've done recently, I might say to myself or feel bad and think, I could have handled that better. I could have done that better. And if I can look back at that situation and think, Mary, you knew what to do then. You knew what to say then or what action to take. I do my best to practice self-compassion and stay in my integrity and remind myself that I'll have another opportunity or I hope I have another opportunity to do better next time. But when I can look back and see that I didn't have the skill, I didn't have the tool at the time to know how to handle that situation, and I realize I do now, I, I remind myself, but now I know better and I can do better. And that's what I want for you too. So yeah, sometimes it can be a real challenge at first to do this investigative work on your own, not just with your thoughts that make you want to eat when you're not really hungry, but when you just can't seem to stick with your plan or even create a workable plan that you're consistent with. And you're wondering, why does this keep happening? In episode notes, you'll find a link to all the information for the Fresh Approach Spring Coaching Session, which is open now. Together, we'll create your personalized plan that covers everything you need to do to take the best care of yourself and that fits the realities of your life. And those bumps in the road that come up all the time, we'll face those together. I'll work with you on the tools and skills you need for each situation. You'll learn how to adjust, adapt, and pivot as life happens. There's also a link to join the Fresh Approach Facebook group and episode notes. Hey, did you stay tuned to learn a little bit more about me? All right, here it is. I want to talk about when I first started exercising. And it was actually back in 1990. And I mean, it sort of came from something sad. My first husband and I, dad of my oldest two kids, had separated. And I'll talk about that at some point. And A few months later, my dad at the age of 60 had a massive heart attack and died. And so I was 
off of work for one week between um, when my dad died and the funeral. So I had bereavement leave. And after those first few days, after we had taken care of everything, I was sort of left with this, what do I do with my time now thing? And I went to the, I think it was a Blockbuster video store. And I rented a Jane Fonda aerobic video. And I've, I've written a blog post about this. And I, you know what? I think I will put a link to that in episode notes. That video, you know, maybe I won't go so far as to say that it saved my life, but it was, I say it in the blog post, but when it was Jane and I think two or three other instructors, when they would say to me, you know, you can do this, come on, keep going. I would hear it because I was uh, at home with two little kids and my dad had just died and it was a very, very hard time. You can hear my voice now. And when I would hear them tell me, come on, you can do this. You're going to be okay. You can do this. I heard it as your life is going to be okay. You're going to be able to do this. And as a result, um, Although I think that was just a regular aerobic video, not step aerobics. Uh, the Jane Fonda step aerobics, which came after that. Step aerobics is my go-to favorite exercise, hands down. I Yes, sometimes I can do a video and do step aerobics that way, but I also know so many step aerobics moves because I've been doing it since 1990 that um, I can put on, I've talked about this before, I can put on, that's I think how I went through well, probably half of Downton Abbey. The other half I was doing rebounding. I was late to the Downton Abbey game. Uh, I started a couple episodes after it had already been on the air. I can watch a TV show and keep going while I'm doing step aerobics or rebounding, which is, you know, on a small trampoline, and get my workout in while I'm watching something. That's how I sort of do my entertainment and exercise at the same time. So that's a little bit about me. I guess you got a, a few little bits. My favorite exercise, when I started exercising, what brought me through a really, really difficult time in my life. And, uh, and there we go. Thanks for staying tuned to learn a little bit more about me. All right. Remember, if you want to reach out and tell me a little bit more about you, Mary at MaryEClark.com. Take the best care of yourself today, okay? In every way. Love, light, and grace to you.